Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite! First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. Thus ends our reading of God's inerrant word. May all who hear it be able to see clearly. When I was in eighth grade, my, my parents were concerned about me. I had just moved to a new school and I had to make new friends as I left my old ones behind. And my grades began to dip. So my parents thought that maybe I was depressed or maybe I was being negatively influenced by these new kids. Finally, they, they sat me down and, and questioned me to find out what was going on. And what they discovered was that I was having a hard time following my teachers as they were using the chalkboard. Now, who knows when my eyes first began to fail me, but becoming nearsighted is a slow process. So I had no clue that things were blurry. But when I put on my glasses for the first time, it was an eye-opening experience. The, the, the clarity of everything around me was just amazing. I could see individual leaves on the trees. I could read signs from far away. And my grades finally got better all because I was seeing clearly. A metaphor that, that we Christians often like to use is that of receiving sight. When, when someone puts their faith in, in Jesus Christ, it's as if the, the scales had been lifted from their eyes and they can finally behold the truth. The truth about who they are, who Jesus is, and what he has done for them. Who are you? You are a rebellious people, enslaved by your own sins. You are under the, the, the judgment of God and destined for eternal destruction. And there's nothing that you can do about it. You cannot rescue yourself. You are in need of a Savior. Who is Jesus? He is God in human flesh. He is the creator of the universe, perfect in every way. And he sits on the judgment seat of every man. What did he do? He lived the sinless life that you could not. He then died on the cross, paying the penalty for your sins. He then rose from the dead three days later, bringing victory over sin, death, and the devil. And he gives you this victory, this life everlasting, if you will simply turn from your sins 
and trust in Him. This is a simple gospel message. And if you believe it, then your eyes will be opened and you will be able to see clearly. What does this have to do with our text for today? What does the gospel message have to do with not judging? Everything. Look again in our first verse. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. This is probably the most quoted Bible verse by atheists. And it's probably the most misunderstood by Christians. Is Jesus really saying that, that, that we cannot judge? Doesn't this contradict much of his other teaching? What about in Matthew 18 when he says this? If your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault just between the two of you. Here, judgment is being cast between one brother and another. Or how about in Matthew 10? If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet when you leave that home or town. <clears throat> Back then, shaking the dust off one's foot was a way of shaming someone. Again, this was casting judgment. So which is it? Are we, are we to judge or not? Even in our passage for today, as we'll soon see, Jesus gives his, his disciples explicit instructions to judge. You see, when, when Jesus is saying, do not judge, what he is getting at was the sin of being judgmental. There's a difference between making a moral judgment and being judgmental. The first, the making of moral judgments, it, it's bringing everything into comparison to God's standards. This is a good and right thing to do. The second, being judgmental, is driven by a self-righteousness. It, 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 it is a righteousness that deems that you are morally superior to your brother or your sister. Now, making moral judgments is something that, that we do all the time. We can't help but to do it. And God expects us to do it. For example, if you go to see a doctor or a dentist, you want to make sure that they're credentialed before they diagnose and treat you, right? If you were the, the manager of a bank, you wouldn't hire a convicted thief to be a teller, would you? Of course not. These things, they're not being judgmental, they're, they're, they're being smart. It's making a moral judgment. However, if you, if you have a self-righteous attitude within you, when you think that you are morally superior to your brother or to your sister, that is when you become judgmental. You see, often we, we, we fall into this fallacy that, that not only can we judge a person's behavior, but we think that we can judge their heart as well. And while we are called to do the first, only God can do the second. You cannot see into a person's heart. Typically, when, when a person becomes judgmental towards others, it's because these others 
They don't share the same perspective or live up to the same standards of righteousness that, that they think they have achieved. This is why Jesus gives to his disciples this warning, do not judge or you too will be judged. Think about it. Throughout this whole Sermon on the Mount, Jesus had been teaching them how to live a righteous life. And if they were following his instructions, then they would also be faced with this temptation of becoming prideful and arrogant. And a form of pride is thinking that everyone else should be as righteous as you have become. So these men, they were in danger of becoming judgmental. So to help them avoid becoming self-righteous, Jesus warns them, do not judge. But he, but he doesn't just warn them. He gives them a reason for it as well. Look at verse 2. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. The message is very simple. If you're going to judge others, then be prepared to be judged yourself. And the harsher you are with your judgments, that same harshness will be brought to you. Again, what is, what is Jesus getting at here? It is this temptation to fall into that self-righteousness. When, when you think that you are morally superior to anyone else who, who thinks or acts differently. Listen, we all have that, that certain standard by which we live by. But how do you react when another person doesn't meet your standard? Do you ever catch yourself saying things like this? I just, I just don't understand people who act that way. Or I've, I have difficulty with, with people from, from that neighborhood. I have a hard time with people who dress a certain way. Or smell a certain way. I've had it up to here with, with people who continually fall under the, the same patterns of self-destructive behavior. Why would a parent raise their child like that? There are a million different ways that we can judge one another. And these are all signs of having a judgmental heart. It's this hypercritical attitude that Jesus is concerned about. Think about it. Who, who is it that really gets your ire? It could be someone you know. It could be someone you don't know. That one person who you think is irredeemable. Jesus is telling you that the judgment that you use upon that person will be the same judgment that will be used upon you. Matthew 6, verse 14 says this, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Again, look at Romans 2, verse 1. You therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge the other, you are condemning yourself. Because you who pass judgment do the same things. 
Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere man, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Here's the issue. If you are judging another, you are assuming the position of God and therefore have no excuse in regards to your own sin. For instance, if you, if you condemn a person who is a liar and yet you yourself have bent the truth, then you have forsaken the mercy of God showing your disdain for what he has done for you. Look at how, how Paul finishes his thought in verse 4. Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you toward repentance? Part of living this kingdom lifestyle not only means developing a heart of forgiveness for those who have wronged you, but it also means having both concern and care for those who are not living their lives according to God's will for them. And Paul is reminding the reader that it is not judgment that leads to a changed heart, but compassion and love. It's God's kindness. And this is exactly what we see in the illustration we're just about to read. Look at Matthew 7, verse 3. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the, the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? The imagery here is a bit comical, don't you think? I mean, I mean, picture this man, he's, he's walking around with this large beam of timber sticking out of his eye. I'm sure he could barely hold it up. He then goes over to this other man. You know, he's got to support his beam. And then, then he's trying to remove this tiny little speck out of the eye of that man. I can imagine the, the, the second man's frustration. His head was probably being bumped around by that plank. As this first man was trying to take that, that little bitty speck. Trying to get the closer look at the particle of sawdust. I mean, the irony is thick here, isn't it? It's, it's cartoonish. It's like something you would see on Bugs Bunny. Christ is using hyperbole to get his point across. And his point is this. The sin that we see in others is minuscule compared to the sin in our own life. How easy it is to find fault in another while ignoring one's own transgressions. According to Jesus, this is the epitome of hypocrisy. Look at verse 5. You hypocrite! First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now this, this is interesting. For, for here we see Christ commanding us to make two judgments. The first upon ourself, and the second upon our, upon our brother. 
He's not calling you to be judgmental, but, but to make a moral judgment. The responsibility for removing the speck is still upon you. But you should only do so if you have first taken the time for some self-reflection. Just like the mirrors that Jeff handed out to the kids. We need to look at ourselves first. You see, you won't be able to truly help a brother or a sister in need unless you can see clearly. That means repenting of your own sin and clinging to the grace and mercy of Christ. Let me ask you, do you see yourself as sinful? Do you understand your, your need for a Savior? Do you realize that in your own strength, you come up short? Dear friends, once you, once you understand the depths of your own depravity and the cost upon, that was upon your head for Christ to redeem you at the cross, only then will you be able to see clearly enough to help another overcome their sins. What Jesus is calling you to is to repent, allowing him to, to pull that plank out of your own eye. That way, when you go to your brother, you can go with gentleness, a soft touch, if you will, in order to remove that tiny little speck without injuring the eye of the other man. So you don't ignore another sin, but you, but you bring to it grace and mercy, that same grace and mercy that was shown to you as you aid your brother in removing their speck. And you can only do this if you have experienced the forgiveness that comes through Jesus. This is why the, the, the gospel is so vital for this passage. Because true judgments must be filtered through the cross of Christ. But there will be times in your life when even a soft touch will be unwelcomed. Look at verse 6. But do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. When I was a new believer, this, this verse confused me greatly. I had no clue what Jesus was talking about. But what... When you put it in the context of the passage, things become clearer. And what we see here is that Christ is calling us to make a third judgment. While we are to correct ourselves and we are to help our brothers with their own sin, Jesus calls for discernment as well. In first century Jewish culture, the, the, the dog was seen as vicious and the pig was seen as unclean. Jesus is, is drawing a, a word picture here of, the, of things that are detestable and violent. Basically, to give some, something that is sacred or valuable like pearls to animals such, such as these would be just foolish. The pig and, and the dog, they, they, they don't understand what these things are. The one will, will, will trample them in the ground. And the other... In their anger, they'll, they'll turn on you and attack you. These sacred and valuable treasures are the gems that we glean from God's Word. 
words of reproof and correction, words for building up and teaching so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. These are words that, that help us to see clearly. Unfortunately, not, not everyone receives God's word with open arms. The Bible draws a distinction between those who are, who are wise and those who are foolish. Look at Proverbs chapter 9, verse 7. Whoever corrects a mocker invites insult. Whoever rebukes a wicked man incurs abuse. Do not rebuke a mocker or he will hate you. There are certain people in this world who will not accept correction. And it doesn't matter how, how gentle you are with them, they will scoff at you. And they may even turn and, and attack you. And the reason they do this is because they don't see clearly. They don't understand. Christ wants you to use discernment. There are certain people that, that you need to leave well enough alone. This, this doesn't mean that you don't try. But if they are mockers, if they are violent people, sometimes the only thing that you can do is to pray for them. Save your pearls for a wise man. Look at the rest of that proverb. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love you. Instruct a wise man, and he will be wiser still. Teach a righteous man, and he will add to his learning. Bottom line is this. As Christians, you need to let go of your self-righteousness. Stop being judgmental. And make right judgments. Begin with yourself and deal gently with your brother or your sister. I think the Apostle James sums it up nicely. Look at James 2, verses 12 and 13. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Let us pray. Father, Lord, we ask now that you would help us to see clearly. Remove those planks from our eyes. Help us not to be judgmental, thinking that we are, are better than others. Lord, help us to, to help our brothers and sisters gently, showing them grace and mercy, the same grace and mercy that you've shown us at the cross. We can only do this by your strength and your power. So we ask for your Holy Spirit to, to guide our steps as we look to the cross of Christ for that forgiveness, that mercy. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.